We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome to Fireside Chat with Dr. June Knight. Today, our God that we are repenting of is uh, the Illuminati and the God of self, basically. The Illuminati and the spirit of Antichrist. The reason that they are teamed together... Good morning, Miss Kathy. The reason that they are teamed together is because the Illuminati... uh, basically builds up a person to go after their heart's desires and then when they get to a peak they will reap in what's owed to them so they will begin taking the people that are now following them down a very dark path and we see it time and time again good morning okay so appropriate is this god on the 13th day because because it is the god of the world in operation against God's kingdom, the spirit of Antichrist and Illuminati work together to destroy the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. How? They exalt a person and grant them all their worldly desires based upon the God of self. The Illuminati is... A group that controls the world's communication gates, such as music, entertainment, news, etc., They control the agenda the world takes in partnership with the spirit of Antichrist. They have mind control, etc. once they control you. People will literally sign their soul over for power, fame, and fortune. Excuse me. They will elevate you in your dream, ministry, career, etc. and allow you to do your heart's desire. But when the time comes... They use you to turn those masses that follow you to their satanic agenda. 
Many ministers have partnered with this group, and you will see their symbols on their stages, logos, and their events. We repent for selling our soul for self-exaltation in this world. We repent for partnering with this spirit. We renounce it, reject it, and turn from our wicked ways. This also works with the Masons and Freemason agenda. It is the God of self and pride of life. Okay, so that's what we are focusing on today. And when I asked the Holy Spirit about it, this is what he gave me this morning. Good morning, Miss Ruby and Miss Kathy. We are in 1 John chapter 2. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. 1 John 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Oh, hold on, we forgot to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful cold day we thank you lord for the snow and ice and all the things that you give us here on the earth lord everything has a purpose today lord we just give you praise for who you are in our lives we give you praise for who you are in the earth and lord we just lift up your holy name today may you be exalted today in this bible study lord holy spirit have your way and teach us today about how we can follow under your uh, kingdom and under your rules and precepts and not fall into temptation, wanting to be self-exalted through the spirit of Antichrist. We thank you, Lord. You're so worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now let's do it. Good morning, Miss Jean. All right, let's do First John chapter 2. Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Aww. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Bam! Right there. Remember, bribe, we have been talking about these people that say you do not have to fulfill the Ten Commandments because it is in, in the Old Testament people. That is God's heart. He laid out those commandments for mankind, period. They will be there till the end of time. And God wants us to do that because he's protecting us. We are his sons and daughters. I mean, why would we not lie? Why would we not uh, follow those things. Do not commit adultery. Do not uh, have false idols before me. That is Satan telling anyone not to go by those Ten Commandments. Amen. Let's keep going. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Okay. I wrote in my Bible, yes, because it's the fruit. What is the fruit of that person? So he says, I know him. He saith, he that saith, I know him, but don't keep his commandments is a liar. Lord, help us to keep your commandments. Okay, we're on verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Okay, pause right there. I just saw this, and this is a very good point. One of my pet peeves as a person, uh, the scripture is in 1 John, uh, we're in chapter 2, and right now we're on verse 5. 
One of my pet peeves is a person that tells me they're going to do something. Chapter 2. Good morning, LaToya. One of my pet peeves is when a person tells me they're going to do something and they do not do it. They don't keep their word. That really bothers me because I question their integrity. You know, if you say you're going to do something, then do it. If you can't do it, then uh, just say you can't do it. But he says right here, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So I pray that all of us will keep our word. Amen. Okay, so let's go to verse 6. saith, He abideth in him on himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Yes. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past. And the true light now shineth. Yes, Lord. He that saith he is in the light and okay. his brother is in darkness even until now. Me pause he that. that. His brother okay, notice what it says right here, Brian. It says, again, a new commandment, which means Jesus is adding to this. I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past. And the true light now shineth. Did you know there's a false light? Yes. There is a false light. Because the Bible says that even Satan will come as an angel of light. Come on now. He says right here, And the true light. Lord, this is what I pray for all of my friends out there. That they will follow the true light. Because he that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even unto now. <clears throat> he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Which means no offense. The enemy will try to use offense uh, to take you out. Offense in your heart to bring bitterness. So he's saying, love your brothers and sisters. Let's keep going. Within the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Yes. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. Yes, Lord. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God <coughs> in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Yes, Lord. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right there. That scripture. Uh, what does it say? Kathy, can everyone hear me clearly? Can you type and let me know if you can 
hear this broadcast clearly because I have one lady saying it keeps breaking up. Will y'all type and let me know you can hear this clearly? Please. Just say yes or no or choppy if it's choppy. Please let me know if you can hear this broadcast good. Elizabeth can hear well. Kathy, it may be your internet or something. Yeah, it may be an attack. Good morning, uh, Caleb. Okay, so all of y'all can hear well. Good morning, Miss Wendy. Okay, everybody can hear good. Lord, we pray for Kathy uh, that her phone would be clear. Okay, so going back to the scripture, bride, listen, we are in 1 John chapter 2. And we are studying about the God of this world and the God of self, basically. Okay? Uh, this is my blanket because it is cold today. Good morning, Caleb. And so it says right here in verse 15, Love not the world. Love not the world. You know, the Bible says, If you love your children more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. If you love your spouse more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. If you love anything, God is jealous for you. So he's saying, love not the world. And see, the spirit of Illuminati, the spirit of Antichrist, they will sell their soul for power and fame and fortune. Okay? They are loving the world more than they're loving God. Okay? So he's saying here, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And do you know, like I stated on that post this morning, there's many ministries that have joined the Illuminati. Uh, people, ministers. It's not impossible for ministers to join because they want to be elevated and they want a lot of people in their congregation and they want all this power. And they, were, they will sell their soul for it. And they'll be able to preach the gospel. And the devil will lead them, leave them alone. Until it comes to a certain point when they get so big and have all these millions of followers. Then he will come in and he will shove vomit through that person. Down the people's throat. And he will take them out. He'll take them to hell with this man. Or with this person. Wendy wants to know, why does it say love has no jealousy, but God is jealous for us? Because it says that he says one of his Ten Commandments is God does not want any, we to not to serve any other God but him. We shall worship no other idol. And you know what, Wendy, that's a good question because she's asking, why is he jealous for us? What does that mean? Well, do you know that that's why Oprah refuses to be a Christian? She has said it on TV that uh, she refuses to be a Christian because she cannot understand why God says that he is jealous for us. The reason he's jealous for us is because he created us. He wants our full devotion to Him. 
he uh, has he wants to have a relationship with us. If you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, okay, Adam and Eve in the garden. Did you know that God come down and He walked with them in the cool of the day, which means that God had such a relationship with them that He was down there you know, uh, talking to them and communicating with them and enjoying them. And then when they sinned and they partnered with Satan, he could no longer do that because he cannot be around unholiness or unrighteousness or sin like that. So, you know what he had to do is he had to cast him out of the garden. And see, when the Lord sent me across the nation to pray for the nation, he told me, he said, I'm the one asking President Trump to secure the borders because of what I did in the Garden of Eden. I am the one that created the first border. He said, when Adam and Eve left the garden, I put an angel at the gate and I protected the gates where they could not come in. Okay? They could not come in because of their sin that had pushed them out of the garden. But as I wrote in my book, uh, Organic Christianity, God wants us to come back in the garden. How do we come back in the garden? Through prayer, through intercession. Uh, when we get saved, the Lord showed me, you know, we're like trees. I, I pray this ain't too deep and that you can understand me, but the Lord showed me that we're trees. You know, he talks about it a lot in the Bible. We're bearing all this fruit for him. We're connected to the vine and all this. But he showed me that before we get saved, we are dead trees walking around. We're hollow. We're empty. We're nothing. That's why if we don't ever connect to the living water and connect to heaven, that tree is just a dead stick. And when it stands before the throne, God's like, why didn't you ever come to me? I kept calling to you and wooing you and trying to pull you in. And your rebellion caused you to be a hard, dry stick, and I have no choice but to throw that stick in the fire. You was useless in my kingdom down there, okay? But the Lord showed me in a dream that when a person gets saved, when a person truly gets saved, and they recognize that the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they connect to the heavenly vine, the Lord showed me this in a dream, bride, that the roots literally come out of the bottom of our tree and connect to heaven. Like, say, this right here is the rivers of living water. The Lord showed me in the dream that our roots go down and they connect to heaven. And when they connect to heaven, the Lord showed me how beautiful those roots are. The roots are very pink and they're, they're very healthy. They're like this in the rivers, you know. And the waters are flowing and it's coming up the tree. And the water refreshes our tree. That's how we grow fruit for him. That's how we, uh, you know, shine for him. That's how we glow for him. We look beautiful because we're refreshed. We're full of the living water. Our roots are healed. They're receiving. Everything's flowing. Uh, listen, let me tell you something else. When we repent, it's coming back out. Isn't that something? When we repent, we release out of our roots back to heaven, that sin. We release it out. But then when we keep our roots clean through repentance and stuff, that water is able to flow up and help our tree to be healthy. And then the Lord showed me that Jesus, the Son of God, is our sunlight. 
He shines on that tree. The glory of the Lord is on that tree. And it's able to mix with the sunshine from heaven. Mixed with the waters of the river. The heavenly waters. And that tree is able to flourish. See what I mean? We're a conduit. Heavenly flow. The river's coming out of us to people. Repentance coming back to him. Dying to ourselves, coming back to him. Isn't that beautiful? But let me tell you what he showed me. He showed me that offense, offense, is the number one tool of the enemy against the bride, against this tree. And he showed me an arrow coming at the tree, and it said offense on it. And the tree looked at that and said, I forgive, and pushed it back with one of its branches. And then the arrow come back with a big uh, arrow that said big offense. And the tree looked at it and said, ouch, that hurt. That, that really hurt. And by the way, the other trees in the garden were jealous of this tree because this tree is smiling. This tree is joyful. All them other trees are hard, brittle, and soulless. And this tree has got all this fruit growing on it and got all the sunshine on it and, and got all these beautiful leaves and looks so pretty and healthy, fat and fluffy. And all them other trees are dried up, oh, rotten, bitter trees. So this tree's over here basking in the sunlight and then all of a sudden here comes this big arrow. Big offense. Man, that tree looks at that and says, Ugh, that hurts to the heart. That hurts. So the tree opens up its branches, opens it up, and lets that arrow come in. When that arrow come in, it went bam and cut a big hole right in the center of that tree. And when it did, the tree rolled out and exposed the heart to the enemy. That is the enemy's goal is to get to the heart of the Christian. He wants to break that shell to get in there. Okay, so then the heart is exposed to the enemy. This arrow hits the heart. And I saw out of the bottom this little black spirit. It was weird looking. But it come out of the bottom of that arrow. And it come down the vein of the tree. And went all the way down to the root and went clog. And clogged up one of the roots. Well, then the water was hitting that root and it was trying to get in the tree and it couldn't because now that spirit, that black spirit, had clogged that root. So then the spirit comes back up the tree and it comes up and it lodges in the heart. Now, the Lord showed me, this is all revealed to me in dreams. The Lord showed me that when a heart is right with God, when it is walking in repentance, when it's walking in love, when it's walking in forgiveness, it looks like this. Very pink and fleshy. Very soft. And beats beautiful like this before the Lord. But when that little spirit come up, it lodged in the heart and went like this. And it started slowing the heart down like this. All of a sudden... Because this big gaping wound was in this tree and it had opened up the heart to the enemy to be exposed. All of a sudden I saw like a thousand daggers around this tree. And on these daggers, on these arrows, it would say lust. 
thief, anger, wrath, malice, blah, 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 all these sins. And then all of a sudden, these darts started going bam, 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 and started hitting that tree everywhere because of this one gaping offense. And next thing you know, all these spirits come in, a bunch of them, and they were coming down the roots, and they were going claw, 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 claw. And all of a sudden, all these roots were hard and stiff. The water was hitting it like this, and it couldn't come up. The rivers could not come up that tree. All of a sudden, the tree starts stiffening up. The fruit starts drying up and withering away, and the tree, the fruit starts falling off the tree. The leaves start falling off. The roots, everything starts getting all bitter. The tree gets bitter. The tree gets angry. The heart's doing like this. The heart is slowing down until it just becomes one big hard rock. Then... The tree is so angry at the sunlight from Jesus because now where the sun used to nourish it, now it's burning it. It has no refreshing. It has no river. It's hard and dry. And now the sunlight on it is burning it. So you know what the tree did? It got up and walked out of the forest it left the presence. That's what the enemy wants to do with you, church. He wants to get you offended. He wants to get you angry. He wants to get you bitter. Not because you're holding what them people did and you're, you're keeping it to yourself and you're making them pay for what they did. That's a lie from the pits of hell. It's holding you back and opening the door of the enemy. Come on now. So I don't know why I'm sharing this story, but there's somebody out there who needs to be set free of it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you set that person free. Set them people free from the spirit of offense. And let them be free right now in Jesus' name. Come on now. Be free in Jesus' name. Delivered in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so anyways, it says in verse 15, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And what does that pull from? That pulls from this spirit of Antichrist. Okay? The spirit of Antichrist wants to give you an identity in the world, okay? Let me tell you what I mean by that, Brad. It wants to give you an identity because it wants you to watch these commercials and you see these very skinny women, glamorous and beautiful, and all the men just gawk at them. And then you look at that and you say, wow, I'm not beautiful like that. I'm not worthy. i I'm I'm not this, I'm not that. And it causes you to make you question your identity and the beauty that the Lord has given you. Your uniqueness. Also, it gives you these TV shows, these movies, this music that tries to define to the world how they should feel what they should accept, what they should tolerate. How do you know that? Well, because the TV shows, the movies, the news, 
the advertising, everything that's coming out through communication, through this spirit, through the world, is telling people to accept homosexuality. It is telling people to accept the God of self, humanism, new age, all these ungodly doctrines, and they're all in unison. Why do you think they're all in unison? Why? Because it is controlled by the spirit of Antichrist and the Illuminati. They want to control the, the gates of communication to the world, and they want to shape the world. They want to tell you how to feel and what you should look like and what are the norms of society, okay? Okay, so, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And why would people sell their soul to the Illuminati? Why would they sell their soul to the devil for the pride, for uh, material things, and for power? Why? Because they love the world more than they love God. They have the pride of life. They have the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. See what I mean? And verse 17, let's see where this is at. For all that is in the world, 16. the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. Come on. But he that doeth the will of God abideth. Okay, let me explain something else, Brad, about the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world always wants you to concentrate on uh, the temporary. It always wants you to satisfy your flesh today. Uh, it's all temporary. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can go have sex with someone. You can cheat on your husband or wife today. And you will be satisfied. Won't that just be good to have that lust of the flesh be satisfied? Yes. But what it don't tell you, because Jesus even said himself, sin crouches at the door. It waits to enter in. It waits to come in and take possession. To come in and take control. Because, listen, Brad, when you open the door to sin, you are opening the door to the devil. You're opening the door for him to come in and wreak havoc in that area. And let me tell you, before a person goes off and cheats with someone, it's already in their heart. These people, they'll say, uh, you know, or like have a sex, and they'll say, oh, it was just a spur of the moment I didn't mean to know. The lust was already there. Because when the opportunity arose, you just went forward. You did it. Okay? So, it's already there and it continually entices you and encourages you to go the next step. Go the next step. And listen, Brian, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I have interviewed over 300 people so far. I mean, it's not very many, but... I mean, it's a pretty good amount, you know, to come up with some, uh, you know, b uh, judgments about things that you see. But one of the guys that I interviewed was one of the high priests for Satan in the Satanic Church. And his story was so amazing. And he told the people on the radio, he said, 
I did not start off saying that I was going to sacrifice humans or sacrifice. It starts off small. Sin starts out small. He said I would do one thing and then something else would come up a little bigger and then I would do that. Something else would come up and then I'd do that. And then it ended up just being gross sin. Gross darkness. That's how it does. It's like a frog, which is basically what my book is about. Uh, you know, the American Expose, exposing all this stuff that's happening in our country, is we're basically like a frog in a pot. We're being slowly cooked because we have, a, we have brought it in, we have tolerated, we have allowed sin in the door, and it slowly creeps until it just takes you out, and it takes you darker and darker, further and further. That's what happens, like in verse 16, when it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So Satan wants to shape your identity. He wants you to identify with those things. But God wants you to identify with his things. Let's keep going. Okay, we're on verse 17. Little children, it is the last time. Or and that ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Come on now. They were not from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Okay, let me pause right there. Isn't it funny, Bride, that all of these topics that we're covering, all of these idols that we're addressing every day, and then we're doing the Bible study related to that idol, that every day in all these scriptures it has the word truth. Isn't that funny? It, I, I'm starting to get the big picture here. See, the devil lies to people. And he, he leads them down wrong roads. He entices them to do these things based upon the pride of life. We've talked about that on several idols. Uh, the pride of life, lust, lust of the flesh, or lust of the eyes, or lust of power, or something like that. But it always boils down to truth. Truth is our banner. I'm telling you, we need a revival of truth. People that will rise up and tell the truth, even if the masses, because right now the masses is done went crazy, but that they will stand up and speak the truth in the midst of all the craziness out there. So isn't that amazing? That's verse 21. So let's keep going. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, he also shall continue in the Son. And in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us. Even eternal life. Eternal life. These things 
Okay, pause, pause, pause. That was a key verse right there, Brian. Okay, because this says, But the anointing which you have received of him, which means the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that you received of him, and you need not that any man teach you, Bride, I've been trying to teach you. Listen. Listen to the Holy Ghost in this hour. Read the Word. Compare it all to the Word. There is seducing spirits out there leading people off into sin. Leading them off into false prophets, false prophecies, and a false Jesus. You need to hear the Holy Ghost in this hour. You need to compare it to the Word of God. Okay, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, there we go again with the word truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. I want to teach a moment in him. Let me see if I have a moment. I do. Okay, I want to teach you what that means to be in him. Okay, when it says, when the word says in him, it means identity, okay? When I am clothed in the Lord, I am clothed in His righteousness. I am clothed in His identity. I am clothed in the blood of Jesus. I am clothed in His purity, His holiness, His uh, separation, which remember I was telling you about the ecumenical movement. That is what they hate worse than anything. Ideological people. That is what we are, people that separate based upon doctrine and based upon truth, okay? So, uh, when we talk about being clothed in Him, we are being clothed in truth, clothed in righteousness, in His identity. We are not doing verse 15 where we love the world more than our identity in Him. Our identity in Him says, I don't touch the unclean thing. I am clothed in Him. Would Jesus walk over there? Would the Lord, if God was standing right here, which He is because I'm here, He's right here with me, would He do that? Would He touch the unclean thing? Would He partner with doctrines of devils and seducing spirits? No. He most certainly would not. So why would I? I'm clothed in Him. In his identity. Uh, he covers me under his wings. I am under the shelter of the Almighty. I know who I am in Christ. Because I have him in me and on me and around me. I don't want to partner with the world's agenda to become a one world government or to become a one world religion. Why do I want anything to do with the world? It makes no sense. Why? If I'm clothed in Him, I would not want to be a part of the world. I'm separating from the world. I'm getting away from that mess. I don't want anything to do with it. Because God has an agenda of his own. I don't want to get involved in the agenda of the world. And that's what the Pope is doing with the ecumenical movement. And luring these charismatic preachers in there. To become part of this world agenda. If we are clothed in him. Why do we want to partner with the world's agenda? We are not of this world. We are separate. Called unto him. 
unto holiness. And we don't touch idols. And we don't touch the unclean thing. I hope I helped you to understand that abiding in Him, also this talks about your psyche. What that means, bride, in my mind, I have to keep my thoughts under submission to God's will. You know, when the Lord told me uh, when we started this prayer and fasting, the first two days I couldn't fast, I just kept eating. And then the third day when I woke up and I put my feet on the floor, the Lord said, you have a spirit of gluttony. All right. What am I to do when God tells me that? Do I argue with him? No, of course not. I immediately repent. I don't try to justify why I'm eating because my mom just died and I'm depressed and I'm sad about it and I'm all alone and I'm in this town where I don't have any friends or help. Do I sit and reason this? No. I just immediately admit it. Yes, Lord, I am so sorry I did that. Please forgive me. I renounce you, O spirit of gluttony. I command you to leave in that spirit of grief. I command you to leave. You see what I mean? I immediately took authority over that because why? I don't lust the power. I don't lust the things of the world. I want God's clothing. I want His righteousness, His banner over me. And I want to please Him more than I please myself. Even when it comes to eating. Even when it comes to satisfying myself based upon my uh, lack of things, you know, my lack of my mother, you know, loneliness or whatever. Uh, I put my cloak with his love. You know, I cloak myself in him. So it does have to do with your psyche as well. Keeping yourself in line with him psychologically. All right, let's go to verse 28 here. Bride, this is key. Let me tell you why. Okay, now little children. Remember, we're the children of the Most High God. We're the sons and daughters of God. We are maturing this year in 18, which is why judgment is here. He is maturing us. He is going to correct us, chastise us, correct us, which we should want because we want to be judged. We want to be corrected and put in the right place. Okay? He is maturing us. How do you mature someone? You push them out of the nest. You cause them to get off milk. And you tell them, if you want me, you got to go further. You got to get on your face and dig deeper. So he says, and now little children abide in him. Put on his clothing and his garment and his cloak. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I'm going to tell you. I can't tell you, and I'm not saying this, um, you know, bragging in any way. I pray you hear my heart. But when I go places and I get around sinners, immediately they just start confessing their sins. They feel ashamed and they're embarrassed, you know. And I, I was around this one guy and he had a bunch of tattoos and he just immediately starts confessing. And he's telling me, you know, I'm sorry about these tattoos. I do this because I'm so sad in my heart. And I tell him, sir, I'm not judging you. The Lord loves you and he wants to heal you. You know, but the thing is, um, that's what that means about not being ashamed. 
when you get in the Lord's presence, immediately it just causes you to reflect upon your own heart. And these people that tell you, this, this is what grieves me about what is happening so much in the church today about dominionist. Now see, I've always considered myself a dominionist uh, because I believe in taking authority and how we have rights and we have inheritance. But I think that the main movement of dominionist is taking it too far, which goes along with the uh, apostolic reformate, the new apostolic reformation, uh, is that they, it's a lot of pride in action because it is so much about me, me, me. And I'm like a God unto myself, basically, because it, it's not self-reflective. You know, and I think that's where a lot of the church is in error right now because uh, we spend so much time uh, worrying about how we can be exalted. Give me a word. Uh, help me to go higher. I want to be blessed. Me, 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 me. Uh, I have, you know, in other words, when when calamity comes, when crisis comes, that's not the first thing they do. They do not fall on their face and reflect. Lord, what have I done? Have I opened a door, Lord? This has come in my house. Is there something I did? Okay, this dominion theology, what they will do is turn around and say, I rebuke you, devil, get out of here. I command you not to come in. But they may have opened the door themselves. See, it's not causing them to reflect. They should get on their face. See, that's the thing about suffering. That dominion theology does not believe that suffering comes in. But see, suffering does come, and it causes us to reflect, and that's how we change. See, God wants us growing and changing and molding and shaping, and we can't change if we're not going to reflect on our own self. So we need to get before the Father. So when it says ashamed before him at his coming, if we are reflecting on ourselves, we can be confident when we're standing before the throne because we are, we're always you know, under correction by him and, and being rebuked by him. And we should want that. We should welcome that. I had someone the other day get so mad at me. Of course, I've been through a lot of persecution the past few months, but uh, this one person was telling me, you know, this and this and this and this, and they was going on and on, and I was trying to understand what they were saying, but the way that they were saying it, you know, was... Uh, very harsh type of deal. But it still was in my mind what they were saying. So later on in the day, something happened, and I realized that I, I understood what they were saying. So I went back to them, and I said, Hey, I just wanted you to know that, you know, I thought about what you said, and you're right. You know, I repent. And uh, see, that is what God does. God will use other people to rub you. He will use other people to confront you and to say things because maybe you're stubborn and you're not listening. You know, we're not perfect, but we should always be willing to be changed and molded for him. Okay, well, let's keep going. Remember, we don't want to be ashamed at his coming. So let's go to 29. If he know that he is righteous, he know that everyone that doeth righteousness 
Okay, now, Brad. What is righteousness? When it says, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. What does that mean? Well, it means that I make choices to walk in righteous living. Now, listen. This woman that God has made that I have become. I don't even know this woman, actually. She, I have never met her. She, the Lord has just completely taken over. I would have never imagined I could ever be this woman. And see, this is not bragging or anything. Believe me, I am definitely giving God the glory. Uh, the righteous living is the choice to live by his precepts and to die to yourself. And listen, sometimes when my suffering gets so great, you know, where the devil comes to me and he tries to get me to quit because the suffering is so bad, I know that when I've had it up to my chin and I'm done and I'm ready to throw in the towel, I know what I have to do. You know what I do, Brad? Instead of me throwing in the towel and quitting, and you may hear me sometimes, you that are friends of mine on Facebook, you may hear me sometimes go on Facebook and I'm honest and I will say, man, I'm so tired of being without a car. I'm tired of asking people for a ride. And You know, <laughs> sometimes I'll let my frustrations be known. Uh, but the Lord told me to be transparent with the bride so that they can see when the blessings come, you know, how God does this, you know. Uh, they can follow the path. Well, um, but I know when it gets to that point when I've had all I can take, that's the time for me to fast. And what I have to do, bride, is I have to get on my face before the Lord and I have to die to myself because obviously if I'm up to my neck in frustration, uh, lack, anger, uh, tired of going on, tired of the persecution, tired of people not understanding what God's doing in my life type of deal, blah, blah, blah. I have to get on my face and die because I realize there's too much of myself alive. That's why I'm, that's why I'm so frustrated and angry. Because my flesh, I, my flesh can't take it no more. So then I have to kill it. I have to get on my face. I have to die. I have to quit eating. And I have to just tell myself, I have to talk to myself, you will be encouraged in the Lord. You will obey the will of the Lord. And I have to tell it what to do. Okay? So I encourage you in that. If you feel overwhelmed and frustrated, it's time for you to die. Okay? Get on your face fast and then get before the Lord. And let me tell you, after about three days, you'll be fine. You'll be dead of that, and then you'll be like, well, I can't even believe that was bothering me before. Because the Lord takes it. You know, he does. And you die to yourself. And then the Lord gives you grace to keep carrying on. And now I've been living like this and carrying on for four and a half years. But if it was not for me having to die, like, of course I die daily, but I'm saying where it's so frustrating is about once every three or four months. Uh, after me having to go through this where I have to, you know, seriously do a slaughtering, <laughs> you know, uh, I would have never drove across the nation. I would have never stood in Los Angeles, California on Skid Row, my dream come true. 
and to serve the homeless out there. I would have never went to New York City and stood on top of the tallest tower, on top of a big tower, and look over the city at night at all the lights. I would have never stood in front of the Statue of Liberty and had the revelation that has now taken me through this 40-day uh, prayer. I would have never stood in front of the White House and did a live streaming and been so happy that God brought me to the White House of the United States of America. I would have never met all the Americans that I did. I would have never interviewed all the Americans. I would have never prayed for all the ministers across the United States that I prayed for. I would have never had them lay on my chest, these women ministers, and cry and let it out because of all the things that is happening in their ministry and in their lives. I would have never been able to meet all these great and wonderful people and do all the things I've been able to do if I would not have surrendered to his will. If it was my will, let me tell you where I'd be right now. I'd probably be married again to some goofball. I'd probably be, uh, you know, working in some job, making a lot of money, having a nice house, and living the typical American dream. I I would have probably never, uh, you know, seen New York City. I would have probably never been to Washington, D.C., uh, I might have just lived the typical dream and drive a good car and live in a beautiful house and have a, a husband that, you know, satisfies my flesh, but that's about it. See what I mean? <laughs> yeah, ha ha, some goofball. <laughs> but the point is, the life that I have in the Lord now that I'm clothed in Him is beyond my imagination the dreams that he's given me about my future is beyond myself. Everything about my life is so beyond. My dreams are so big, it's going to take God to fulfill it. I mean, it's so global. It's it's just beyond what a person, a little country girl like me could ever accomplish. But see, that is living in him because he's so beyond ourself. Amen. All right, Bride, well, I got to get with my team. It's 10 till. I love you and God bless you. I pray y'all have a good day.